0: Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host Hans Christian Wittinghus. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of my podcast. Today I want to start off by drawing a winner of my November prize, a box of 12 vitamin well and a box of face masks. The pot had 32 paying patrons for November, who we'll all get one lot in the draw per dollar donated. So with me right here on my right, I have a bag full of different lots with names on it. And I will now draw the winner. And I have one here that says Ville Sur Uski. <laughs> Judging from the sound of the name and I hope I pronounced it okay, I'm guessing we're going to Finland this time. I'll send you an email later, Villa, so we can get it all sorted. Thanks so much for your continued support, and also a huge thanks to all you other great patrons out there. So if there's anyone else who wants to have a chance of winning one of the December prizes, which I will reveal in my next episode, and yes, there will be more than one for December, it is the Christmas month, so time to give out more gifts, so if you want to have a chance of winning, you should go sign up at patreon.com. And as always, there's no binding, so you can just join for one month if you want, or you can join for as long as you want and donate any amount you want as well. And as I said before, you get one lot in the drawer per dollar you donate. I've actually lost one patron this month, so we are on 31 now, but it would be really nice to make just a small push towards 40. So hopefully today's exciting part with none other than Gail Ems will help me on the way to 40. Anyway, enough Patreon talk. Let's get started with today's episode where Gail shares a lot of interesting thoughts on both the highs, but definitely also the lows of being an athlete. Enjoy. Enjoy. Today's guest is one of the most successful English badminton players in recent times. A world champion, All-England champion, two-time European champion, Commonwealth Games champion, Olympic silver medalist, and also a former world number one. That's a pretty epic list of results, but if you're a regular listener to this pod, you might be familiar with them, as I've already had my guest Mixed Dolls partner on. But that does not make me any less (laughs) excited to welcome Gail Ems to the show. So Gail, a very warm welcome.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me. No, I, yes, I haven't heard what Nathan said about me, so um, I, I, I did that on purpose, actually. So um, I can get my own back if he. I hope he was nice about me, anyway.
0: He was really nice about you. But we are actually gonna come back to something he said on the on the pod. I want to. Uh, he made a statement that I want to test out a little bit later in the pod. But no, oh, he was okay. uh, he, he was he was being a nice guy as he is, of course, of course. Good.
1: Good, he knows so me too I, well. He knows I'll beat him up otherwise, that's why.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably it. So I know you guys are in a uh, in another lockdown situation in England. How are, how are you doing and coping with that?
1: Um, it's been really tough for someone like myself, who is a very social person, who likes going out and, and obviously I love my sport and exercise and then of course everything's stopping. It's been really, really hard. And I'm a mum. I've got two boys who have also struggled as well. So, yeah, I I can't say I've dealt too well with it. I know some people have loved it. And, you know, you see it on social media all the time. They're living their life, their best life. And they are having, you know, taking a little, you know, sort of doing some gardening and pottering around and DIY. And that's just not me. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's been really, really tough. Um, But obviously there's a purpose and you just have to do it. And I think what's been really interested in is using what i've learned in sports into this pandemic and lots of businesses have actually like um sort of got in touch with me and said look help us motivate our staff because we don't know what to say to them And I'm like, well, okay, I'm struggling myself. But the one thing in sport as we learn, you you can only control the controllables. So you can only control what you can do. You can't control your opponent. You can't control the linesman. You can't control the referee or anything like that. The travel, you know, all the random stuff that we have to put up with as an athlete. You can't control that. So it's been quite interesting to talk to people about that situation. and, And actually life as an athlete is pretty like life in a pandemic. You can only do what you can do, and you can do your training. you can you know work hard when you have to and that 's it and the rest you just have to kind of go okay this is the this is the situation
0: mm, yeah that, that completely makes great sense and it, even though you say you, you haven 't coped with it in a in a good way it when you explain it like that, it actually sounds like you have coped in, with it uh, pr- pretty nicely actually and when i I follow you on social media as well, and it seems like you haven 't been uh, Kind of standing still at, at any time you've tried to to nice. keep busy all the time, uh, anyway, even though your job has kind of been taken away from you because as you told me before you uh, we, we went online that you actually work at a at a bar right now, and that's mm-hmm. one of the areas that's been uh, locked down in England right.
1: Yeah, so hospitality, and I've been really making a mark in the hospitality world, um, sort of whether it's hosting, comparing, um, corporate hospitality, so the big sporting events. So, sport and hospitality are the two biggest hitters <laughs> of, the, of the COVID. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be me, that's my world. So, yeah, I, and I refuse to sit still. I, I can't sit still. And I'm, I'm one of these people that, yeah, I'll have a good old strop and I'll be like, you know, there's what's <laughs> happening. And then I'm like, right, so what am I going to do about it? And again, that's what sport has taught us. You know, we might, I'm not a good loser at all, whether it's a, game, a board game with my family or it's a game of poker or it is, a, a, you know, in a match you know, or the All England or something. I hate losing, but I have that strop and that tantrum. And then I'm like, right, so what am I going to do next time? And I think that's been really important to get through this pandemic. It's like, yes, I have lost a lot of work and I've lost a lot of money from it. that doesn't mean that I can't do something else and um, you know sport teachers to be adaptable as well you know how many times have we had to you know you think you're going that way and then you have had to go that way and it's a roller coaster and it's up and down and you know it has been a a very very strange roller coaster but you know what you've just got to get you just got to get on it and just ride it basically
0: (laughs) yeah so true and I'm sure that one thing that's made it a little bit easier for you Gail it's the fact that Tottenham is now top of the Premier League, right?
1: Yes, I know, <laughs> honestly. It's been brilliant. It's, I was a bit dubious about Jose Mourinho as well, and I wasn't sure, but suddenly we're kind of seeing it. And, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit annoying because you can't go and watch them. Um, yeah. And I think they're letting fans in for the Arsenal game on the sixth. And it's 4,000 people in that beautiful stadium. And I'm like, oh, I'd love that to be me because you want to see it and, and kind of feel that passion and everything. And, and obviously we're playing so well at the moment. So yeah, I'm, I'm a very happy bunny at the moment, yeah.
0: All right, Gail, we're not going to talk Tottenham Hotspurs all, all the time. We uh, we will change the subject a bit uh, and start talking uh, more uh, badminton-related stuff, if that's okay with you.
1: All right, then. Yeah. <laughs> all right,
0: all right. Even though I love uh, Mourinho, so we could talk about him uh, all day as well. But uh, I, I want to uh, start off by, uh, by asking you something that uh, I also asked Nathan on uh, his uh, podcast, and you maybe already know what it is, but... In my previous podcast, I asked him what tastes better, the Olympic silver or the world championship gold. And I asked him because we often discuss this in, uh, whenever I meet uh, yeah, other badminton fanatics, like which one is nicer. And it's so rare that you can actually ask someone who achieved those two results. Yeah. And what I found funny about Nathan's answer was that he said the two of you would definitely... Uh, have uh, different answers. So I, yes. I needed to test that, that statement and see if that's true. So, so which one do you appreciate more of uh, those two minutes?
1: Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure. So I'm not, because um, when we get asked this, he would say world gold and I would say Olympic silver. Um, the reason why I say Olympic silver is because um, that spurred me on. Um, there's lots of reasons about, there's lots of feelings and emotions about that Olympic silver. Um, And one of them for me, the overriding feeling and emotion for me was that I was the weakest person on that court. And I vowed that I would never, and it was all mental, I vowed that I would never, ever feel like that again. And I, it changed the whole, it, it changed me massively. It changed me in the way I thought, the way I approached things, the way I saw badminton, I saw my life. And it literally gave me such an a boost that the rest all came because of the Olympic silver. And so that for me, I appreciate that more because if I hadn't have got through gone through that moment, I wouldn't we we wouldn't have won that world gold. Because I, I had to go through something quite it was it was devastating. And I can't watch that Olympic final. I've never watched it. I can't I can't Lakers okay. watched it lots of times, but I can't because I know how I felt. But the reason why we won everything else is because of what, yeah, that, that moment and the Olympic silver. So I, I, even though I don't like it because it's silver, it actually was the biggest turning points in my, in my badminton career.
0: Yeah. All right. All right. That's a pretty, uh, pretty good story actually, to, uh, to why you <laughs> would say that. And it, it's often like that, right? That you, you learn more from your defeats than you do actually from, uh, from your wins. And, and that makes yeah. you also enjoy the wins even more because you know you had that Tough moment there, yeah.
1: Yeah, totally, and Nathan, so Nathan was already a big big star in Badminton then, and I wasn't so much, and I always felt that I was, oh, Nathan, oh, and he's playing with that girl, Gail. And and that's the reason why, you know, I feel that we got silver and not gold, is because I felt lucky to be on that court. I felt lucky to be on the court with the others, and I just went, no, that's it. Never, (laughs) ever feel like that again. I deserve to be in that final. I deserve to be on that place. I deserve to be next to Nathan Robertson, and everything is equal. So yeah, it is, you, you do learn huge amounts and, and you have different feelings when you, the world gold, I felt, yeah, we should have won that. So we did. And I, I didn't feel like it's massive, oh, oh my God, I'm a world champion. I felt like, well, yeah, we should have won that. So we did. Mm. So it is a very different feeling. Uh, but I know Nathan, for him, that was one, cause he'd lost in the final before with Simon Archie in the men's double. So I know for him that world gold is a massive, massive deal for him as well.
0: Yeah. And I think also because you, you played the worlds in uh, 05 in, in Anaheim and you were, you were seeded yeah. one or you were supposed to play, right. But you, you had to pull out uh, just before the tournament started because Nathan rolled his angle.
1: I know there's always something, isn't it? And it literally, I thought he was joking around. I really did. And I thought he was messing around like he does. And mm-hmm. then he just sort of went, I can't get up. And I went, you're kidding me you're absolutely kidding me so yeah I did feel that it was you know we were meant to win a world championships Um, and yeah obviously the 05 was probably the one we should we we were expected to win but yeah made up for it in 06.
0: Talking about like that you felt like the lesser player on court in the the Olympics I'm wondering did you also feel like that going into the tournament that you like, did you not feel confident that you had a, actually a shot at the at the medals at that time? Because you you were no. already a world class pair, weren't you at that time? Yeah,
1: but we were fourth. We were ranked fourth, and and mm-hmm. as the seedings to say, like Raku Min and Kim Dong Moon were the number one seeds. So everyone, like, no one had beaten them for like two years, I think it was. And obviously you had Gao Ling and Zhang Jun, and that was just the final. Everyone, there was no other, no one else was even you know, considered and everyone else was scrapping around for that outside chance of a bronze medal. And, and that's realistically what we thought. So obviously, uh Jonas this Ricky, Ricky Olsen decided to beat <laughs> be, which we were just like, Oh my God. So um that gave us that bit of hope. Sorry Denmark. Um, but it didn't give us that bit of hope to kind of like think that then we had that chance. So yeah, no, I didn't expect to get a medal. It, it, it was this real, okay, we might have that outside chance. And if that, it would just be a bronze. So yeah, to, to, to get into the final and then to be so close to the gold as well, that kind of makes it even more of a learning curve, I guess, because you get so close, you can almost taste it and you kind of want to kick yourself a little bit and just go, if yeah. only, but then what would have come afterwards if, yeah, you just don't know, so...
0: Yeah, and definitely it uh, kicked off a pretty, uh, pretty good period for you and uh, Nathan. That that Olympics uh, with getting to the world number one spot in uh, in '05 and uh, in '06 in you won the worlds. You won the Commonwealth Games, and you actually also won a uh, gold medal uh, at the European Championships in women's doubles, right, with Donna uh, mm. Kellogg? Yeah, I, I, like, I went to the back I, of
1: the court. <laughs>
0: you did. You did. I did. <laughs> Oh, I, I yeah, actually yeah. I don't really remember your women's doubles so well, but I would imagine that Donna was the uh, backcourt player and you you stayed at the net, but that, that's not true. Or-
1: we we tried that formation but then everyone knew that that was our best formation so they would try and get us around so in the end I actually had to get quite good at the back of the court and obviously Donna then her mixed doubles was getting better so in the end we actually had a a good combination both ways so um yeah it was a bit I had to work I had to work hard I was like oh my god what's going on here (laughs) so uh yeah um but yeah it ladies doubles me and Donna were a little bit crazy on that court but enjoyed every second she's a very very talented girl crazy girl but very talented
0: all right right. i should get her on the uh, podcast at some point as
1: well (laughs) yeah she doesn't remember half of it that's it she was i think she is the most her and nathan are the most yellow and red carded badminton players and they were my partners yeah so right. Donna actually got a letter from the BWF telling her that she needed anger management less uh, classes because she really <laughs> she has so many <laughs> yellow and red cards yeah So, so did, was- did you
0: try and stay extra calm that what you usually would do to to try and balance it out
1: I had to keep my halo very, very much above, (laughs) you know, smiling sweetly at the going, Oh, no, she didn't mean that. She didn't mean to call you uh, something, something, something. Honestly, it's lost in translation. It's not even, it's a compliment, really. (laughs) And I had to say all this stuff. But yeah, because literally Nathan would be off smashing his rackets. Donna would be off, um, I don't know. Yeah, just being crazy Kellogg. So, yeah, I had to keep my halo. Otherwise, I I think we would have had some black cards, I think. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm always wondering, Gail, uh, because I'm not retired yet, but I'm always wondering when I do retire, how much am I going to look back on uh, days like those? So like 2006 was a golden year for you. Do you still every now and then think back or is it only when you're in a situation like this where you you get reminded or does it pop up in your head every now and then and you think about those times that that were great? Yeah, it
1: it will hit you at certain times. So badminton and in sport we're so lucky we get to do something we love and there are so many people in the world that would you know try to be a footballer or try to be a professional sports person and and don't because of various reasons whether it's injury or just talent or you know just uh, mindset we are the lucky ones and we get to go and compete for our country and we get to travel the world and we get to train and and it's it's amazing So your heart is, you're attached to the sport like a bungee rope. So it's like an elastic and you know you have to move away from the sport because it's life and you have to go on and do other things. Yet suddenly something will pull you, like it will just bring you back and suddenly your heart just swells and you remember this emotion and you remember that feeling and you remember that adrenaline. And you remember being part of something, there's nothing that replaces being part of a sports team. You know, when you look around and your teammates are all screaming for you and all the crowds cheering for you and you're good at something, there's nothing that can replace that. And so, yeah, when you when you talk about it, you know, you'll be like, oh, yeah, and then I won this. And then suddenly something will just trigger something. For me, it's the people Like, when I talk about Nathan, when I talk about Donna, when I talk about Coach Andy Wood, and I think, oh my God, these are the people that know me. They know the real me. Because you you can't hide on a badminton court. You can't hide in sport. You have to be you. And I think that, again, we're so lucky to be able to do that. So many people never get that chance. And that's what I miss. And so when I do talk, obviously to fellow sports people, we all do look like, oh my god, do you remember we could do this and do that, and it's just great. And and yeah, it is. It's tough. It's tough. Um, but again, I, you know, we're lucky, very, very lucky. And so, and I have to remember that not to, not to get upset about it, but just go, you know what, I'm a lucky girl.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. And. I I totally understand where you come from with saying that it's the people that were close to you like Nathan, Donner, Andy Wood that that really brings out the emotions uh, in you because they were there for the entire journey. They weren't just there for the, the high moments, but they know everything, like how hard you had to work to get there. All the rest of us, we just see the matches on TV or we're there at the uh, tournament if we play ourselves. But we don't see all the underlying work uh, beneath it. We, we just see the, the high moments and think that, that's amazing. But it is, of course, the, the entire journey that makes it such a uh, yeah, wonderful experience every time you mm. then achieve something, right?
1: Definitely. There's always a story behind everyone's journey and success and everything. And, and there's sometimes, you know, when critics... I feel quite protective of sports people mm. and, you know, especially in the sports media and, and you know, if you, you'll hear someone quickly slate somebody and you're like, do you know everything? <laughs> you know, there's yeah, so much yeah. that goes on behind a sports person that, mm. you know, not everyone knows. So yeah, you're right. We're To be part of something where you can be truly yourself is, is um, a privilege.
0: Yeah, that, that's quite funny to hear, right, from uh, like, we play in very individual sport. I know you play doubles, which is basically a team sport, but badminton is still an individually based sport, but mm. we all treat it as a team sport in, in any way. Yeah, like, it, it is what makes it special that we are part of a team, like the Danish team or the English team. Uh, it, it's not really being treated like it's just one player uh, against mm. one player. It is more, uh, it has this kind of team spirit to it. I think that that's uh, fantastic. Um, and, and talking about that, uh, I think there's w- one dilemma here that's quite interesting because you mentioned Donna yourself, um, and you played women's doubles with Donna, but you also beat Donna in the uh, in the world championships final. And <laughs>
1: yeah. When,
0: when I think of your career, I always think that mixed doubles was the highest priority. Um, but obviously, Donna means a lot to you. You produce great results with her as well. How do how did you deal with uh, that? Uh, yeah, dilemma with, with Donna uh, that, that mixed doubles would always be the highest uh, priority for you
1: yeah I, d- I don't think it's um, easy and I think any girl who plays or any guy that plays two events there's always going to be a conflict um, you, you I think the best way is to be honest you know and, and, and I never lied to Donna Donna was always knew that mixed doubles was a priority it was pretty obvious mixed doubles was my better discipline I mean, you know, it would have to be very, very stupid in badminton terms to go, oh yeah, you know what? Girls should concentrate on women's doubles. Um, so there was, there was never any, um, you know, I wasn't, I never lied to Donna. But what I did say to Donna was that every single time that I stepped onto that women's doubles court, I would give 100%, and she knew that. Now. The same with Nathan if you played men's doubles and and that's one of the things, the key things I think in any part doubles partnership, you have to. You're always gonna have conflicts, you're always gonna have arguments because you're all right, you get on to you can just <laughs> you're on your own. You don't have to worry about someone else. But you know, me and me and Nathan didn't always get on. And we you know, sometimes if we train too much together, we'd hate each other. So you know, we've got very different personalities, with very different outlets, very different motivations and values. So, and the same with myself and Donna, we're very different people with different, you know, uh, mindsets. So the only thing you can do is that you can tell each other and we have the respect that you can say, when I step onto that court, I give 100% because you need me and I need you. And when you have that common ground and you have that common right, you, yeah, that's what we're going to do. It, 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 it's all right. And there was, uh, there's never been a time where I think Donna's not given 100% to me. And I don't think that she can say that about myself, unless, you know, obviously we were completely knackered or ill or something like that. Then obviously, then, you know, it might be another reason. But I, you know, I can a hand on my heart say that I gave everything every single time. Um, obviously, the world championship final was awkward as anything. It really, really was because I was roommates with Donna. We woke up, we had breakfast together, and then we were like, "See you on court then." And we both <laughs> went our separate ways, and it was just awful. And you know, and it's not nice playing your teammate. It's horrible. Um, you know, you know this. You played your teammates yeah. loads of times in finals, and it's just but, you but know, not, you not in know any wh-
0: world championship finals
1: no i know <laughs> and it's, you don't know whether to you know you're just kind of going yes and you don't know whether to go yes and, it, and it, you start celebrating points and you're like oh should i because i've got to go and sit next to her on the flight home but you know it's, oh it's just terrible so um yeah it can be um did,
0: did, did you have one night at the hotel after the match as well
1: yes ah, <laughs> we all went up for dinner afterwards oh. um
0: Oh, that, must thing, been, way, that must have been pretty awkward in uh, in some way going back to the hotel and knowing that you just shattered her big dream and you're so yeah. happy because you just achieved the yeah, one of the biggest results of, of your career
1: true the, the good the only good thing is that we beat them quite comfortably so uh, hmm. you know at least it wasn't really a horrible you know before it was match point all or something or there was no you know controversy or anything like that the good thing is we beat them quite you know comfortably and it was like yeah we won you you did very well to get to the final because I think don't things they would expect to get to the final and I think that kind of made it a little bit easier but oh my gosh yeah um yeah <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a fun final that's for sure
0: Right, Kate, we will uh, move on to a, a slightly a different topic. Uh, I know there's still lots of great results that we uh, didn't mention in, in that part one, uh, but we also only have a, 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 some li- limited time for this episode. So uh, I, I will uh, I will more, move on to a topic that I find really interesting uh, and something you've been very uh, open and honest about, and you already spoke about honesty in your partnership with Donna. So uh, I think it's something that probably... Uh, it's just part of you that you, you have to be an honest person and, and very open. And that's also the feel I get when I follow you on uh, on your social media. Um, I want to hear more about the struggles you have had after you finish your career. Because you've been very open about it wasn't so easy for you to actually find your place in uh, in that situation. You've always been the badminton player, Gay Limbs with uh, lots of uh, success, as we just heard, with uh, all these uh, championship medals. Uh, But it did actually start out pretty uh, well for you, right? When you finished your career, you got lots of uh, job offers, uh, speaking, uh, uh, motivational speeches and and stuff like that. Can can you try and just describe a little bit how it uh, turned to become a problem for you uh, at some point?
1: Yeah. Okay, so um, retired straight after Beijing, 2008. Um, The last two years of playing badminton, there was a lot of pressure um, and the structure of badminton in, in, in great Britain is that there's all UK sport funding and there was a lot of um, pressure for me and Nathan to win a medal. If we didn't win a medal, therefore all the money would you know, be taken away from badminton. So already I was feeling a little bit tense and I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to just get, I, I knew I was going to retire after, um, after Beijing, cause I just had enough mentally. Hmm. Um, and the thing was, because I just, everyone told me just to focus on winning a gold medal that I kind of forgot to plan, um, a career. So i had done a, a university degree when I was 18. So that was well forgotten. I hadn't yeah. done any part-time work. I hadn't done any sort of made any contacts about, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And everyone's like, well, don't worry about that. Just focus on your badminton. Just think 24 seven about that gold medal. And I, looking back in hindsight, that was the worst thing that I could have done because when I did retire, I was like, what the hell do I do now? So I threw myself into lots of things and speaking was one of the the ones that I really liked being an extrovert character. I could go on stage and talk about sport and the journey and all the messages to business. And I did really well. And of course, there was 2012 that happened, which was great because I was the BBC correspondent for Badminton and I did a bit of sports media. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. You know, this is what I'm going to do. Um, started getting, you know, sort of a bit of, um, you know, sort of a network of speaking jobs and, and, and then I could mix it, you know, fit it around two children as well. It was only when um, I started noticing in the run up to Rio that actually, (laughs) you know, I was expecting more jobs because the Olympics were coming up and, you know, the sports sponsors, but the the phone was really quiet. Um, And obviously my son was quite still, my youngest was still quite young. And it was beginning to dawn on me that, okay, this is not good. You know, what what am I going to do? And when Rio came, I thought, it's fine. Rio will come along. People start talking about the Olympics again. You will get more work. And it didn't. Because when Rio came along, GB did really, really well. Loads of medals. And I, and I just went, I'm not relevant anymore. No one wants to know about me. No one, you know, look at all these gold medals we've got. They're the ones that want to talk to you now. So I thought, right, okay, time to get a job. Mm. So I made a CV and I sent it out to all the people that I knew in sports marketing and sports PR and all the people that, you know, I'd worked for and campaigns and stuff. And I applied for about 35 jobs from January because my son was start school. And I just got rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection. And, you know, I realized that I was nearly 40 years old, two kids. I hadn't got any work experience. Um, mm. And actually, my CV basically said badminton player and did some sports media, basically, and I can talk. Mm. And it, it was starting... And because, you know, the, one of the good things about me as a sports person is I'm really stubborn. <laughs> mm. But that's also not a good thing <laughs> in certain times. Mm. And I was so stubborn and stubborn and stubborn. And I was like, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And instead of asking for help, I got myself very stuck in a one-track mind and ended up in a very, very bad place. Um, because I just refused to ask for help. I refused to, I refused to believe that I was in a situation and it got to the point where I was out seat skin. I was, didn't know what to do. Um, and you know, it's, it's horrible. And I, I don't want any sports person to ever feel like I felt because you, I felt I got to the point where I was like, hands that I've been world champion and now I can't even get a job. I'm going to have to go and work at Starbucks because I don't know what else to do. And it was, it was really, really, really horrible. Yeah, um, it
0: sounds like and I yeah. think most most people will expect or kind of uh yeah kind of expect that that a world champion an olympic silver medalist that you just go straight into a new success when your career is over because they only know you as a successful person and they think yeah, yeah. everything is just going to be easy for you you will get the job offers or yeah people will get to you <laughs> but it it is uh a kind of uh it makes sense to me to hear that In the start, the beginning of it, it's maybe not that difficult, but when you, when you quit quit sports, people forget about you quickly because there's a new one coming in all the time.
1: Yeah. And I hold my hands up and I should have done more. I should have done more learning, more work experience. And I think that sports person ego, there were, you know, lots of factors that came in. I was very reactive and sort of proactive and I didn't talk to people. I just expected it. Um, you know, there's loads of lessons learned and and the good thing is is that I I mean I I I went through it but I've learned from it. Um and I know never to get myself in that situation again. Um but it is it's you know and I get it here now. So I'm in the bar and I'll be serving someone, you know, and I go I'm a like a manager sort of front of house and someone will come up to me and go, Oh my gosh, you're working in a bar. What's happened? (laughs) And I go, what do you mean what's happened? I'm working and I, you know, and you get comments like that and you think, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, back when I was playing badminton, there wasn't as, money, wasn't as much money. And also, you know, why is it, you know, it's, it's quite hard for the, you, you know, people think it like, you don't want people to think of you as a failure. And what, when I kept losing the you know, not getting jobs, I, I saw that as failing and losing and and that gets you down and down and down obviously so it, it's a really I think there needs to be more support psychologically for sports people to help them in the real world and the trouble is is when you finish sport there's no help for you people are like well you know you're fine go and get a proper job you know and that's yeah. very much the attitude of a lot of people and I was like I'm not saying, I can't, I, I can't just, ugh, I don't yeah. know what to do, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's Yeah, really and I guess really... most federation
0: or associations, they also just start focusing on the next one because when gay lambs quit, exactly. then they need to focus on the next one that needs to deliver the medal so they can get the funding totally. and so on
1: yeah, yeah, it's very much like whose problem are you? And, yeah. um, you know, and, and it can hit you at different times, you know, so for some people it can hit them three months after they've retired and for some people it can hit them three years so who's, you know, it was like, well, it's not my problem. Not my problem. It's like, well, yeah. it's not, it's not about a problem. It's just sort of that support network. And I think athletes need to talk to each other more to support each other. And, mm. you know, whether it's has badminton, football, cricket, rugby, whatever sport, athletics, just to say, oh, you know what, this person helped me. And you know what, I've got, I've got to talk to this person, you know, and it, we have got this incredible and valuable experience and we should, we should help each other a little bit more. So I do make sure that, the sports people that I know, we regularly chat, just check in with each other and say, mm. you okay? How's it going? Yeah. Mm. So yeah, and
0: I know you, you're, you're doing quite a lot to try and help other athletes. And if, if my research is, uh, is correct, you're, you're head of marketing at something called LAPS, Life yes. After Professional Sports. Yes. Yeah. Well, what is that all about?
1: So we want to encourage businesses to recognize the skill set of athletes. So um athletes we are very very determined ambitious um we've got that drive we might not have the skill set to be the perfect accountant right now but doesn't you know if we want to put our mind to it we will yeah. so it's trying yeah. to let, get them to realize that you can able to set up programs whether to join up with a, a football team and say look one day a week come someone come in learn how this the business world works because what we you never know when a career can end, you know we're we're lucky we've we've had long careers in itself, um, but you know you might have a serious injury at twenty five or even younger, or you might just get kicked off the team, and you just then what? So we just want to encourage businesses to to recognise that athletes may need a little bit of help to get in there there is somewhere that will support them they'll need a little bit of extra training and a little bit of um, polishing um mm. but you know what they could be a great asset to the team and um yeah that's what we do at laps is just uh, just to try and yeah help that basically
0: yeah all right and you also said uh, a little bit earlier that you uh, you could have prepared better yourself maybe for this yeah. uh, situation is that also something you try to help the athletes that when, oh. when they're still active athletes to to prepare more for for the situation uh, after totally
1: totally so we do workshops in football academies as well um mm. it's so it's so hard because obviously you know you know what it's like and you can talk the talk and we just wanted to give these personal experiences like don't don't let it happen what happened to me and you can see them and that you know some of them are 18 19 and they're looking at me well yeah well it won't happen to me because I'm gonna earn loads of money and you're like you don't know that because you haven't got a crystal ball and no one can see into the future so be prepared if you think you're prepared be more prepared you know and then if you think you're prepared be even more prepared than that so it's all these little things that um we just sort of we can only keep talking about it and we can talk about mental health and we can talk about preparation for the future. And hopefully that we, can, if we can help a few, few of them, then it's better than none. So yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, definitely. And when I, when I read your story, uh, when it all broke out and you were, uh, it was a big story in, in, uh, in the media at some point as well. Mm. Uh, I feel like it wasn't only about money either. Like you say that 18, 19 year, years old, they would say, yeah, I'm going to earn a shitload of money. So it, it doesn't matter, <laughs> but mental health and being, uh, yeah, at a good place doesn't only uh, mean that you're earning enough money to pay your mortgage or uh, yeah, pay for food or whatever. It also means that you you feel like you, you have a purpose with, with what you do and you, you have something yes. to wake up to uh, each day, right?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, it's when, you're, when in sports you have that purpose, it's, mm. life makes sense. You know, you know you're know you chasing
0: a goal every day
1: exactly you know your goal you know your job you know what you've got to do you've got it all pl- everything's kind of helped and planned for you you've got this huge team of people so if you, you know you need a bit of help they're there for you in life and when you've had that and then you don't have that it's re- you. you just get lost and being lost is one of the worst feelings and lost means you're like in this fog and you just can't see your way out and that's when that ton of vision you just think no that's the way i've got to go and i've got to go this way and i, I can only see that and it's that way but actually there are so many people that you you there are people about that but you just don't realize it that can help you you sort of get that mist and fog away but because you're so used to goals purpose identity in in, in sport that when you don't have it it, you realize how much you miss it and how much you need it and how much it's something that's really important and we've got to kind of also help sports people realize they've got a purpose and identity as well as that sport so you're not just a footballer you're not just a badminton player you are gail you also are this you also have this skill as well so we have to remember that in sports people that they have got other things going on because you know you don't want to just be like me and say wait cv i can hit a shuttle woo yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. i've got other things If i just didn't you know you just get so lost in that no yeah. that's all you're good for so yeah it's um, mental health in sports people we have to help realize that the pressure you know it's it's you're not just about a medal just winning something yeah. you are a person as well
0: I, would you say that you're you're now completely on the other side of it or, or is it still something you can struggle with uh, every now yeah. and then
1: yeah and the good thing is i'm aware of it um mm. and the good thing is that i've got my i know my team who i can get so if i do feel myself go down i don't panic i don't i don't start going <gasps> i'm mm. gonna go you know i let myself go wee and then i just go back up again and I, I know what to do if i'm feeling in that situation so i know who the people to call i know the people to say okay i'm having a really really shit day today help okay just talk me through because it's just my brain going in panic mode and they go look you're doing brilliant you're doing this you're doing that and you're like yeah i'm okay i'm okay i'm okay <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it yeah. will be okay and then um, I, I love if i've learned you know anything from 2020 is that i never ever thought i'd be working in a bar for instance but you know what's been one of the best things ever so you you never know life's full of twists and turns but you should never don't don't ever think that this is going to be the worst day or you know it's just part of something and there are so many people who can help
0: absolutely perfect gail Uh, we will Move on to uh, the uh, third subject for uh, for this conversation, and that's talking about your future. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little sad that you're not more involved in badminton than you is. I, I would like to see you as a uh, coach at the at the highest level. Uh, I think we are missing high-level female coaches for sure, and I know you were also uh, involved with the the GB team. Uh, before those uh, massive uh, funding cuts back in, uh, was it 2017? Uh, they, yeah. they got caught all of it. Yeah. Uh, I know you're still involved with, the. Yeah, you've been doing some sports uh, broadcasting and a bit of commentating. I remember you commentated uh, <laughs> my final of the uh, Scottish Open <laughs> uh, some, some years ago, yeah, and you interviewed oh. me on court after as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah,
0: but is is it something you would like to uh, to turn more attention into uh, being a coach or being involved with uh, uh more full time, maybe at some point, or is it not something uh, that's on the cards for you?
1: Okay, I'm gonna be a little bit controversial here. Okay, so, mm-hmm. um, I I would I would like to ask a question. Is you're right? Why am I not involved in badminton? There is absolutely no reason why i shouldn't be yet i'm not and i will i am almost jealous of the system that you have in denmark because we don't have that in england and because we don't have that in england we have a very political setup and we have this very um linear approach we have grassroots badminton and then we have elites we have nothing in the middle and so if you don't make you can't go if you can't coach elite, or you're the grassroots is not where you want to be. Then there's nothing for me to do, and that's where I sit. And I would love to, and I've always said to Bamanson, I am here. If you need me, I am here. And there's only so many times you can say it. And if mm. no one calls you, and if no one says, oh, you know what, Gail, would love you to come in and do some coaching, then I can't do any more. Mm. I'm not a natural coach. I'm not as good as Nathan. I'm not a technical person, but I do like the psychological side. And we do need more female coaches, female mixed doubles. There are girls on that court. And why the hell are we not having, you know, no guy can know what it's like to be five foot three, 162 centimeters, standing at the front of that court with a guy smashing 200 miles an hour at your head. No guy will ever know what that feels like other than the girls.
0: No, no so guy how, have ever tried it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the, as a girl, you'll just sit there you, and you know you're the weakest person on these, but you know, you know this. So how do you help people psychologically, if you're serving, uh, you know, to a six foot three guy staring at you, just going to whack it straight at your face. It's really daunting for girls to do that. Yet we have no female coaches. And I'm like... <sighs> um it's a problem in sport in general and i think it's a problem that we have in great britain massively that we do not support female coaches enough um i when i first started coaching or i was at the center um i had i had a baby and so i said right they said um so i said right i can get there at half past eight eight thirty uh i dropped my baby off at the child mind and they were like "Mm, session starts at eight o'clock and I go, I can't get there until 8.30 because I have, to, I have a baby. And they're like, well, that's your problem. And that mm. was the attitude I got. And I went, well... Okay. well what, what?" And then I'd, I'd run around, I'd get there, and I'd be like, okay, I'm here. And they're like, oh, yeah, the, the players, they're tired today, so they're not playing. Mm. And I'm like, oh, right. You know, and, 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 I, and then in the end, it was just like, well, this is ridiculous. You know, how i i what yeah it's there's there's lots of reasons and it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be that situation and because we don't have what you guys have i i'm not involved with anyone
0: yeah that's actually a good point i've never thought about you you didn't have that kind of a sub elite level where you can kind of start out and then maybe build it up and uh Move yeah. to the yeah, top of the food chain if you you can uh, you can say like that, uh, but, but it also sounds to me like you, you haven't completely uh, given up that you would you would like to be involved at at some point, but you're also maybe not actively seeking it there right now
1: no, i haven't because i'm not seeking it because one, I know that I've got lots of work to do on it. So I can't, I, yeah. I, I know there's no point in me going, yep, yep. I can, uh, I can run this team. You know, it'd be yeah. stupid of me to do that. I'm yeah. very aware of my, um, my weaknesses as a coach. Yeah. However, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to give up on it yeah. and I don't, and I don't want to. And I, and I feel like, you know, bummed I've, badminton has given me so much i should be giving back more into badminton i just don't know where my place is and at the moment i can't see where it is either there's nothing there's not one thing that's just gone that is where you need to be um i know it will happen um and i'd like to because um, i love being on court again and you know it's you just get out the emotion and we've talked about that already but yeah right now there's not one thing that's just really screaming out Oh,
0: but you, you seem like a person that still loves badminton. And I also remember I, uh, I met you in a uh, in a Danish club a couple of years back only where you played in, uh, in the second highest league here in Denmark. So it's like you can't keep away from it uh, completely. I, I think that's, that's just uh, great. So what about like searching for uh, like more opportunities and for example, as a commentator, you, you already have quite a bit of experience with that. Would that yeah. be something... Uh, you're you're interested in on a more regular basis or not? not maybe
1: it's just the traveling that's the problem you know when you've got kids it's like again it's that the world that you you know sport is and you know it it's traveling and you have to sacrifice a lot so um i commentating i love a one-off commentating session i think it's brilliant because i can have so much fun but the guys have to do it over and over and over again and there's only so many times like oh great smash yeah. brilliant and then he's just like i don't know what else to say so um yeah. i like the i like the one-off side because you can have fun and bring lots of energy but yeah over and over again I, I don't know how those guys do it they are brilliant so um yeah i'll leave it to them
0: yeah yeah that's that, that's that's fair enough and uh you as you said you also have two kids how old are your kids
1: so Harry is ten and Ollie is seven. So they're quite a handful at the moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they Ooh. probably also wouldn't like it if uh, mom has to uh, travel for two or three weeks at the time. Uh, yeah, uh, no. once a month. Uh, yeah. Mm. Every second month. Yeah. So w- what is your your future plan right now, Gail? You're, you're working uh, as a manager at the uh, the bar you are sitting at right now. Uh, while <laughs> yes. doing this. Well, yep. what about all this um, uh, motivational speaking uh, that you uh, you also did? A, a lot of is that part of uh, part of the plan in the future
1: definitely i think that especially with the the pandemic as well and i adjusting my my talks accordingly and again it's about you know sort of control the controllables it's quite um at the mental health um yeah so step, it's one of my passions and I, i'll always do that but obviously you know it, it's one of those it'll be a, a, a sideline project there are a few projects. Um, I'm working with a marketing and PR company at the moment, sort of a local one. And there are some few things around where I live at the moment that are really interesting. So you know what? I'll just give it a go, whatever threat comes my way. So I'm not planning anything. I don't think you can plan anything at the moment, sport and hospitality. My, my two loves are a bit up in the air, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm um, Which is weird because again, if you'd have asked me this six months ago, I'd have been like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my God. Oh my God. So the best thing is that um, I've met some, even in lockdown and COVID this year, I've met some fantastic people. And it's amazing how our networks can work. It's been great talking badminton again, for instance. You've actually got my brain thinking about coaching. And, you know, it's, these, these are the great. things that That's happen. Thing, yeah. Exactly. So these are the things that happen. You just don't know what, what, what's going to be around the corner. So I'm not worried. I'm excited. And who knows what the future, but I'm okay about it.
0: No, that's, that's great to hear. Okay. And just one small project that I needed to mention on this podcast is something you also have been uh, pushing on your social media in the, in the past uh, week or so is uh, that you're, you're now an author as well, right? You, yes! you just uh, published your first book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, the Gail M's Ultimate Pub Sports Quiz is out now. Um, in lockdown one, I, I had, a, you know, obviously nothing to do. And what I did was sex quiz questions basically every night on twitter eight o'clock people could just basically come tune in and i've just put 20 questions out random as anything and yeah got quite a following so what i've done is put all those questions into a book and yes i've got a book out which is so cool um i'm not sure you're in it though i don't think you're no, mentioned i'm, I'm, I'm probably sorry not about that. That. that will be in the um, second
0: edition and i'm, I'm a bit disappointed exactly. actually because i, I I was following uh, that quiz on uh, Twitter. I didn't participate though, but I was following all the questions and reading the answers. But it was a bit too much like uh, GB question. so there was a few of the sports I, I didn't really know much. about.
1: Them, so. Yeah, I didn't put much about handball in there or anything like that. So um, <laughs> exactly. yeah, it was very. It was a lot of cricket and uh, probably rugby union as well. Rugby so you might not well, be an yeah. expert. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. All
0: right. So I will uh, leave a. Uh, like the the address for where you can book the uh, buy the book if uh, Yay, people want to do that. I'll leave that in the uh, in the show notes, and then I will look forward to uh, to the second edition someday. And uh, as I told you,
1: special, on, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, as I told you on uh, Instagram the other day, I might even uh, steal that idea and do a do a,
1: do. A <laughs> honestly, it's it will it, it's mad because your your sporting knowledge will actually go. You'll be the, you'll be the best quiz. Everyone want you in their their team. Um, on Thanks. any quiz show as well, so I do recommend it. Your your knowledge does so kind of go up. <laughs>
0: Gail, we are almost at the end of uh, of the interview. We've been on for uh, a little less than 50 minutes. So it's uh, it's about time that my listeners get a chance to ask you questions. Uh, they always get that chance with my guests. And okay. I've chosen uh, three of the questions that uh, that came in for, for this one.
1: Okay. Are so you ready? I'm ready.
0: All right. The first one is from uh, Badminton Andy, who is one of my uh, most uh, loyal listeners. And he is asking... Which uh, was the better weapon for you, your low serve or your confidence? And I think you spoke so much about confidence that I think it's a great uh, question because he's probably referring to the uh, 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 post-Olympics period of of your career. So which one would you say was your better weapon?
1: Confidence. Because without the confidence, you can't have a low serve because you need to be able to serve knowing that it's like one centimeter, no more than one centimeter over that net because it will be like smacked in your face. So if you do not have the confidence, you cannot lay serve. So simple as that.
0: Mm, yeah. And I, I was actually hoping you were going to say that because uh, <laughs> I want to follow up with something that, that when I think of a mixed doubles uh, girl, I think one of the most important uh, traits you need to have is confidence and kind of mental resilience. Cause you're there at the net and you cannot give away the initiative. You have to keep on taking the chances. You need to keep challenging uh, your opponent on, on the front of the court. Because if, if, if you don't do that in mixed doubles, you will yeah. lose in the long run. If you just play defense, you, you will lose. So it is, for me, like the most important trait for, for a mixed doubles player, uh, for a female mixed doubles player. Would, yeah. would you agree with that?
1: You, totally. You have to... Um, I would say it's like a, it's like a cat, two cats with two girls. It's like a, you know, you've got your claws out. You have to be the top cat against the girl. It's a real bitch fight. And you have to look at her. And it's, it's a queen feeling about the two girls. And then it's different with the guy. It's a bit like going, is that all you got? You know, <laughs> that's the attitude you have to say to the guy. So you can never, ever let them get one over you. If they do, you have to tell them you're lucky. You were lucky with that one. And that's what I told myself. I remember... Actually, who was there? Um, Fisher. Fisher. Yeah. I remember playing him. And he was... I, I served to him. He returned. And I went and I was so close to smacking him in the face, right? Because he, he returned beautifully onto yeah. my forehand, And I was like, boom. And it clicked the top of the net and came back. And you could see the shock in his face. And I just remember going, you were lucky there. And <laughs> I remember that. And he crumbled because... He was not expecting a girl to go, you were lucky there mm. because that would have like smacked him. But it's that kind of attitude you need. You can't ever let that guy think that he's got control of you. So yeah, it is definitely confidence.
0: Perfect. The second uh, question, Gail, is from uh, a girl called Ulfa. or She has a really brilliant uh, username. Uh, hey Random Raven. Okay. She is asking, what what do you think about the current mixed doubles pairs from Europe? Do you see any chance of them competing with the top four pairs in the world as it is right now?
1: Oh, I think it's really hard at the moment because the mixed doubles, I think, has changed massively. Um, you know, watching mixed doubles now, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I'm glad mm. glad yeah. I'm not playing Me, me
0: too, me too.
1: Yeah, it is incredible. Um, You've got to do something different. The European players have got to change the game. And if they're going to have any success, they've got to have something different about them. And at the moment, they're trying to compete with the Chinese players in their style or the the Asian way. And so at the moment, I'm saying they're going to struggle. They might have a one-off win against them. But you've got to have that ability to, to think outside the box. And at the moment, they're not doing that regularly enough. So until that good
0: question good answer good answer uh, the final question for today is from someone called it's either Dylam or it's D-Y-Lam I'm not sure but uh, one of the two and uh, she's simply asking who is your favorite athlete in the current generation and you can choose from uh, any category singles and doubles
1: oh my gosh who's my favorite um who do I like and you, watching? You, and you, you, can't, you can't choose me. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Sorry. that was so. Apart from yourself. Sorry. Who's my favourite?
0: Oh. Do you watch a lot of badminton still? Or?
1: Not... I, I was at the All England. Mm. Um, who did I like there? I like anyone who's got a bit of um, personality on there that you can... Study. Like I say, mm. I've I, I mentioned it a bit but about being a bit different i like anyone who can do that um mm. who was the men's double who were the men's doubles pair well the men's doubles final was just brilliant mm. so any they were great because i can't remember the names right? but they were just great because you could saw something there was a flare and, it, and, and anyone that's got like a little bit
0: yeah i think the men's doubles, of, doubles final was that yeah was that Sanjaya Sukamulyo, and oh, yeah. uh, Gideon the Indonesians yeah. against the Japanese
1: oh yeah that's right. I loved all of them because they was all, they all showed something different and and mm. that I just sort of went, yeah, I like all of them because there was mm. just different aspects and they, and they gave everything and then and it, it just yeah they 're the, the players that I like, but I've got no one favorite, as you can probably tell it just I just like seeing a bit of character.
0: Mm. Yeah, we also miss that in, uh, in badminton. And uh, mm. Sometimes, I think at least, we, uh, we could do with uh, a bit more of that, for sure, yes. for sure. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Gail. We almost uh, spent the one hour now, so it's about time that we, uh, we wrap it up here. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out uh, to, uh, to have this chat with me. And uh, I hope it was uh, fun for you as well to look back at the, some of the uh, badminton moments for you.
1: Yep. No, honestly, thank you for having me. It's been, um, it's been a pleasure. Thank
0: you. All right. That's great. I'll, uh, I hope to see you in the, the badminton halls, uh, sometime soon uh, when you uh, are <laughs> like, the top female coach out there.
1: All right. <laughs> like, this is all your fault. All your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, hopefully. Who knows?
0: Thank you for listening to a year on tour with Vittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred
1: podcast app.